You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Thursday. We are back in doing it. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. We're going to keep this one. It's late. It took me a lot of time to work up to coming and doing this because of, uh, you guessed it, <laughs> just struggling through life. Um, but we're going we're gonna to try to do as best I can, despite my loopy nature at the moment, to delve into the press conference today, the highlights. I thought it was one of the better player press conferences we've had. And I feel like we learned a lot. I have to try to see what I can remember from it. And then we'll get into some other stuff, which is basketball. We'll end on that note. I didn't see a lot of it. uh, Thanks to the coinciding nature of the press conference and how long it took to get back home and all of that. But uh, what I did see, not pretty. Do you want to blame me? Because things kind of turned the moment I turned the game on. Have at. But, uh... Let's get to the uh, the press conference. They had Michael Barrett, Roman Wilson, and Mike Sainer still. I thought it was a, a bit more interesting in that I felt like everything that was kind of said is noteworthy. Like that, that is kind of rare. I feel coming out of one of these spring practice press conferences, and it wasn't like there was any anything that was particularly groundbreaking per se. But it felt noteworthy, and I think that that's, that's good because I've said it before. I love covering these players. I do. I think they're all great guys. They do not have the same types of personalities as the guys I started covering in 2015. Though That 2015 through 2018-19-ish era was just full of big-name personalities that just gave you something. Every week. That's not what the, the 2021 through this team has been. So uh, that's not a bad thing for the team. Actually, it probably speaks well of what that team is. It's no nonsense. As there has been zero days since the last nonsense. Actually, I have that wrong. But you know what? You, if you watch The Office, you know what I'm trying to uh, channel there. It's... um. It, they aren't about having the the big quote. Sometimes it's been to their detriment. I remember, like, it always seemed like DJ Turner in particular. It's like you get every guy saying one thing, and you have DJ Turner, and he would just like you would pick the path of least resistance, and it would contradict everything you heard from every other guy. It was always it was a fun. It's always funny how that went. Uh, not the case, of course, today. Um. I think the the thing that I took away the most was Roman Wilson saying that people would be shocked uh, when they see what Darius Clemens does when he gets his opportunities this year. That's the first thing I wrote about when I got home. Uh, so obviously that that one is the one that I think was the the most noteworthy. And the corollary to that is that he said that he has been shocked because he's like, listen, I I'm from Hawaii, so I don't go home when we have like spring break and stuff like that. So he's like, I just hang around the building. Other guys, they go and travel. I stay around the building and just keep working. And he's like, Darius has been in there. And it's just, he's like, 
the strength that he has for being a second-year receiver, which he's gotten to witness because he also doesn't leave, he's like, it's shocking. And, you know, he, he said a lot of good things about all the receivers. Would you expect? He, you know, no, none of these guys are going to come out there, and that's, that's true also of, like, 15, 16, are going to come out there and be like, yeah, they're all pretty good, except this one dude really needs to step it up. Coaches don't even do that except for uh, Mike Zordich used to, and it was incredible. Uh, but um, that's tantalizing because Michigan has that opening. No Andrell Anthony, no Ronnie Bell. There's an opening there. Which, speaking of, Tyler Morris got some kudos from both Roman Wilson as well as Mike Sainer still. Sainer still, keep in mind, similar stature, had a similar role. So, pretty cool stuff uh, because Michigan's going to need those guys, and they need Tyler Morris because he could be that Ronnie Bell type that they need, being that slot guy. So, that's cool. Staying with offense, Ro- uh, Roman Wilson said, like, he does not really care about the – he hasn't gone back and rewatched the touchdown that wasn't. He's like, I put, you know, put it behind me. He's like, I barely watched it. It is what it is. Moved on. That is indicative of a wonderful culture that Michigan's built in the sense of they're not dwelling on it. Now, granted, you could go the other way and say, we took that and we internalized a moment like that and said, we have to be above the officials and we got to be better, blah, blah, blah. But they did that last year, not with the officials, but that, you know, we internalized the Georgia loss. We don't want to feel that again. And guess what happened the following year? So I like that, you know, it's not dwelling on it, dwelling on what we can control moving forward. It's a maturity that I think is really, really cool from this team. Uh, Other points offensively. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Roman Wilson again. I mean, he was the only offensive player we got saying that he's really, uh, he's really focused on Leading by example, taking up that same mantle of Ronnie Bell, two-year team captain, uh, and re- and kind of saying the same things again as Cornelius Johnson. Lead by example. Le- you know, being a team leader is important to him. And it's I, I think that they're, they're saying all the right things, all the things you hope to hear. So let's move on to the defensive side. Like I said, there's Mike Sainer still, Mike Barrett. Uh, they had some interesting things to say as well. See what we can do talking about them in my hazy, loopy nature at the moment. <laughs> well, I'm not making eye contact with the camera. It scares me. Um, but uh, we're going to go ahead and do that here momentarily. Before we do that, the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I I do want to clarify one thing since I'm referencing that I am not feeling well. I don't want any pity. I'm telling you that for two reasons. Number one, to make fun of myself. I'm sure you can hear my labored breathing. I can hear my wheezing through my talking at the moment. But more so just to give you expectations. This is not this is not the A game. I'm trying to bring you the A game. I'm trying. And if you think it's absurd that I've been uh, not under the weather essentially for a month, trust me, much more absurd to me. Much more absurd to me. It's awful. Um, But sometimes that's reality. I went through that when I was in college, actually. I had like a eight, nine, ten month period, I think, when I had a respiratory illness. It was like I had like three colds in a row. Like I got better for like two days and got another cold immediately. And it ended up in a respiratory situation. It was not fun. So also still not having fun. Zuri in the background, if you hear the squeaking, is having fun. Um, all right. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I only wrote one thing so far, and it was on Michael Barrett talking about Ernest Hausman. I think the quote's worth reading. So I'm going to pull that up. Uh, That was, I tried to get that in relatively early. Um, I asked him about Partridge, I think, earlier than Ernest Hausman. I I have a rule when it comes to interviews inside baseball here. (laughs) My quote makes me sound like an actual baseball. Inside baseball here, up to the plate, number the third baseman. Um, Anyway, the... um, the way that I treat it is it's okay to have early questions about coaches uh, or, you know, something like that. You know, what, you know, what do you like about playing for this coach? And what was your reaction when, so for like Michael Barrett, I think I had the first question overall and it was, you know, what, what do you, uh, what what was your reaction when you heard Chris Partridge was coming back? And, um, I don't. I didn't know for sure if he worked with him at as a safety, because you know he's kind of bounced around. But I knew he worked with him at special teams, and I knew he had that relationship. And like he said, Partridge is the one who recruited him at Valdosta Lount in Georgia. That made sense. Uh, I like to ask players about themselves. I like to wait generally to ask about other players. Now, actually, though, with this team, a lot of times you're better off asking about the other players, in which they'll say they're all doing good, but. It used to be, and there were so many times that, you know, you get a kind of a guy who didn't say a heck of a lot up and this is a, another reporter. Back when they had, we had scrums for players and another reporter would come up and that first question out of their mouth, like, what's impressed you about X star player? And this guy is not like not a star player. I, I am thinking of a specific, specific example. And it's like that you're just shutting him down for the entire time. So there's a method to the, to the whole thing, well, a strategy. But I, I did wait kind of a few minutes, and then I asked him about Ernest Hausman. 
So what impresses him about Ernest Hausman? Just his natural athletic ability. He's smart, fast, can move. Just how fast he's learning the defense, coming along with our guys, blending in, meshing together well with everyone. He's going to be a great player. I like his enthusiasm, the way he flies around at practice. He always has a smile on his face. He's going to bring something to this team. Positive. Glowing. Not overly glowing. Not. He's the next Devin Bush plus Josh Ross combined. Granted, Michael Barrett. I think he had one year with Bush, right? 20, uh, 2018. Or did he come in 2019? I think he's been here since 2018. Um, but, you know, that was kind of what we were getting that, uh, in spring ball in uh, 2019. That type of hyperbole about Josh Ross. Devin Bush, but even faster, more instinctive. But that did beg the question for me, the follow-up. When Michigan's going out and getting a guy at your position that is starter caliber in the Big Ten, number two ranked transfer in the country, so obviously he's going to play. They bring him in. How do you react to that? And he said, I feel like it's different here with guys because I, ju- I just don't think that we look at it negatively. I think we take everything that gets thrown at us with a positive attitude. That's one thing that Coach Herb instilled in us. You never know what was going to happen. You never know the adversities you're going to face, you're def- you're, but you're defined by how you react to it. So that's, again, maturity. So I just feel like in a room, I'd say for the past couple of years, we just kind of look at it as competition, look at it as a way to better ourselves, to be, uh, better to uh, the team, better to the group. And so anytime we're happy for the guy's success, we're always teaching each other, coaching each other up. We're never looking at it like, oh, he's going to take my spot, so let me get away from him. It's never that. It's always love. Everyone in that room always shows love to each other, support, and we're always there for each other. So the theme for today is maturity. Because that is what we're seeing from all these guys. Now, granted, you know, Barrett, sixth year. Um, Satan was still uh, fifth year. And uh, Roman Wilson, fourth year. So, obviously, you'd hope that those guys would be mature. But, nonetheless, Michael Sainer still talked about, you know, when things kind of changed. And, you know, f- for this team, why, wh- when did it change? Why did it change? He said... This is something I feel like was kind of new. He said the leadership council, when Harbaugh established the leadership council coming out of 2020, gave the players that opportunity to have more input and be leaders. Because, of course, he's already a leader. He's a team captain, and he's carrying that forward. So much a leader that he said, uh, being a high school teammate with Josiah Stewart, he's the one who said to to Jim Harbaugh, hey, I got a buddy down at Coastal. You got to take a look at him. See what he can bring to the table. He might be able to help this team. And Jim Harbaugh listened. Think about that for a second. Think about the, how much you have to respect a player to, to, to have that type of reaction. Keep in mind, Ronnie Bell said he said the same thing about his brother. When he, you know, as a recruit, showing, showing the coaches, showing Jim Harbaugh, like, I think my brother might have something here. Check it out. But think about that. Think about that even in your own professional life. Think about that in your own world, whether you're a, a, a parent or, you know, you're a boss or, or you just have a, a level of expertise in something. You're Michigan football that someone else doesn't have. 
and they come to you and they're just like, hey, I, I, I am lesser than you at this, but I have a suggestion. And you don't just immediately be like, thanks a lot, dude. Yeah, I'll check it out. <laughs> you know, that is, that actually shows, again, the maturity, not just of the players, but even the head coach to be able to say, I'm willing to listen. You might have something. I know if I was a head coach and a player came to me and was like, yeah, you're going to want to check out my boy. I'd probably be like, well, what's a star ranking? <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah, you might have a chance with my boy. Oh, the five, you mean the five-star teammate you have? All right, yeah. You know, if it's Channing Goodwin telling his recruiters, like, hey, you might want to check out Jaden Davis. He might potentially be a guy who you could bring in. Okay, yeah, my, my ears are wide open. Mine personally actually are not. <laughs> That's a joke. It's literally a sick joke. Um, But, uh, you know, that just goes to show the maturity. And I think that's pretty cool that Mike Sanders still played a role in bringing him to Ann Arbor. So um, the only other point is having asked both Mike Sanders still and uh, Roman Wilson about Amarion Walker. They both kind of had a similar story of he's got things you can't teach, the speed, the height. You know, just the the change of direction and all of those things. But both also admitted he's not there yet. It's going to take a minute for him to to really kind of grow into it. So, um, obviously, that wasn't necessarily what we got from Jim Harbaugh. It was pure enthusiasm. But, uh, you know, from the mouth of babes, mouths of babes, we get the... Uh, we get the honesty there. So it does still sound like he would be the guy who would start, of course. I mean, Jim Harbaugh did say that, but it's just a matter of... It's going to take a minute. Good good news is it's March 9th right now. And Michigan has until like what? September 2nd or I don't know when the season opener is, but sometime in September or late August. I'm, I'm not sure. They've got time to, to get him ready. But uh, they, you know, they, they like what like Mike Sanders says. I like how he's coming along, learning the playbook. I like where he's at. His head is at. I like where he's. It's just a matter of getting that down. Roman Wilson says he's as soon as he gets those technical details down, then it's going to be something. But I asked, I said, did you, have you gone up against him in practice? He's like a little bit more. So I've watched him on tape and it's just, he's still lacking that technical aspect. And once he gets that, then watch out. So thought it was a good press conference. Going to have a lot more, hopefully tomorrow, Friday when, uh, hopefully I can, uh, reset, reboot a little bit. So that's the hope and the goal. Let's, let's talk a little basketball because we don't know. Is the season over? It might be. Will Michigan be in the NIT? Maybe. Will they be in the NCAA tournament? Doubtful, but don't be surprised if it happens. Let's talk about them momentarily. Every time I start the podcast, I swear, Zuri becomes a completely different animal. Half the time she's like, leave me alone. And then I start and she's just over here. She she can't can't not be here to get attention because she's not currently getting it. That's for you, Jimmy Whitner. I'll answer your Zuri question on the mailbag tomorrow as well. But uh, that's for you. Um, let's see if we can get her on camera for those watching on camera. 
There she is. Zuri joins the show. <laughs> Anyhow, so Michigan basketball flamed out in epic fashion, hitting, what, four of 19 in the entire second half. I think that's a program low. Uh, they had a three-point lead against Rutgers going into halftime. I was at least, I at least pulled it up on my phone while I was driving. I, I couldn't listen to it. I had, uh, had some calls that I had to be on for this house stuff. But, uh, so anyway, I get home, turn it on, 10 minutes left in the game. Michigan's down by four. Okay, no biggie. And man, they can get nothing going. Same old story, man. Except for the difference is most of these games have worked one way. Michigan drags out all the way towards the end. They have a late lead with like four minutes left. You start thinking a la George Michael running for class president and arrested development. I'm going to win this thing. And then out of nowhere, Steve Holt comes out and starts and everyone starts chanting four more years. Uh, apropos to use Steve Holt as Rutgers in this case. But Michigan couldn't stop them. Every time Michigan had an opportunity. That once Michigan finally found a way, I mean, they were in the double bonus by the time I even turned the game on. Every time they had an opportunity, couldn't stop them. Michigan gets to the line, hits a free throw or two. Maybe it's a 10-point deficit or 12-13. Something like that. They go down. Rutgers scores with seeming ease. What a disappointing season. And I know there's some of you out there that don't want me to talk about basketball basketball at all because I have not been nearly invested as I have been in the past. Part of it is, in part, because I don't have to be, thank, uh, thanks to Trent Newt, my lovely writer over at Wolverine's Wire. But the other part is, is because I also have watched this team. And it's been a bad product all year long. So what does that mean? Because we don't know what Michigan's fate is. They may have played their last game of the season. They may end up being in the NIT. Dark Horse certainly to end up in the NCAA tournament. I don't think they'll be in. I think that they just needed one, maybe two wins. But finishing out the season the way they did, I, I just I don't see it. I'll be surprised if I'm writing that article on Sunday. But... I know there's a lot of people that are fire Juwan, all that kind of stuff. Listen, I'm willing to cut him a little bit of slack. Now, last year, also not good. So not good that I don't remember it. I was talking to my best friend about it on the on the, the uh, phone today. And he goes, what happened to the team last year? He's like, what do you think is going to happen today? Uh, and what happened last year? He's like, I don't remember what happened last year. And I sat there and thought about it. I'm like, neither do I. Last My last memory is them losing to UCLA. In the Elite Eight, two years ago. For some reason, don't remember last year. I think they made a Sweet 16 because that's kind of their thing. But uh, I, they, I know that they, they didn't advance beyond that. I know last year was a disappointing year as well. This one's certainly worse. Because last year, you know, like it just felt like the freshmen played a little bit better. Musa and Caleb. Caleb was also streaky. Very similar to Jet. Um. In that there, there, he had his moments, and that there were moments where it's just like, "What are you doing?" 
Kobe Bufkin came alive kind of late in the season today, not so much. Doug McDaniel came alive late in the season today, not so much. And when you, I cut him some slack as well, Jawan Howard, because you had a point guard in Jalen Llewellyn and you ended up having to go with Doug McDaniel. Well, was it clicking when Jalen Llewellyn was out there? Not necessarily, but having a veteran point guard gives you a lot better of an opportunity. And for those who are, you know, get angry and say, you know, it's time for him to move on and all that kind of stuff. Remember, John Beeline had some not so great years as well. 2017, they kind of whimpered into the tournament and they they ended up, you know, winning the whole thing and whatever. But, you know, there have certainly been some years in the John Beeline era where things did not look very good and people had similar reactions. Maybe the game has passed him by. He's not recruiting the high end guys. What is he doing? And then he he. Goes back to the drawing board, brings in first, um, what's his name? The guy who ended up going to Northwestern, kind of looks more like a football coach. Conlon, Billy Conlon. Conlon leaves for Northwestern, brings in Luke Yaklich. Things completely turn around. This is a young team. You're going to have to retain some of these guys uh, in order to, to move forward. You're going to have to be able to withstand the injuries. You're going to have to be able to recruit. That recruiting hasn't been an issue. It was just a bad fit across the board, and it is what it is. So is it disappointing? Absolutely. Is it one of the worst seasons in recent memory? Absolutely. Is it a reason to say, let's go ahead and scrap the program? Uh Uh-uh. Next year happens the same way. Then maybe you start having a problem, but it's still too early, I think, depending on... It all depends on how it goes, right? All right, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back with the mailbag on Friday. Rain or shine, sickness or health. Till death do us part, Lockdown Wolverines podcast. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. Peace.